0: What's up, everyone? It is bonus pod time. It is going to be me and Daniel just talking bullshit on uh, Sunday night. So you're going to hear it on Monday. And uh, that'll be April 6th for you. April 5th for us now. If you want to support the podcast, please like, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, if you want to go the extra mile, go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south and become a monthly contributor They are the people that keep the podcast alive. Hit the fucking music.
1: 185 Miles South A Hardcore Punk Rock Podcast
0: So anyway, uh, this is a bonus pod just because I'm bored as fuck and uh, spent a lot of time at home. So I called Daniel and we're just going to go through some questions that I tossed out on Instagram and, or I just said, does anyone want to ask me anything on Instagram or Facebook or those things and uh, try to go through without missing anything and let's see if we do. All right, so this is all out of order. Rivers of Fire said uh, a ten thousand strong interview with Milo. Demo is sick. Okay, I remember the band Ten Thousand Strong. Shout out Beavis, um, supporter of the podcast. That demo is fucking sick, and and uh, and circle pitter of the gods. (laughs) Circle pitter of the gods. You know, it's (laughs) some people are using the term god tier now. He's got a he god-tier circle pitter, shout, without a doubt. Shout out Beavis, aka Greg It Back, and uh, this was a cool band that he did with Milo, uh, a hardcore band in the early 2000s. And uh, yeah, I don't remember much about it, but there, like this demo, he did have a part where he went like full fucking uh, Mike Mirror style, and was like, like the Why won't my mom give me a Pepsi? You know, like that shit. I can't remember what he was ranting about, but it was something like that. And we're just like, "This is the fucking illest." The fact that this dude like could like pull off like a rant like that on a punk song like seventeen years later, so uh,
1: definitely. Did he do the laugh?
0: (laughs) No, he 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 did not pull off the uh, Greg laugh, but uh, (laughs) but anyway, respect to the Ten Thousand Strong demo. I remember, motherfucker. You're not gonna hit me with some obscure shit. That's why I that's a I, good that's, name too. Yeah, that is a good ass name, huh? Yeah. All right. Next by Enjoy Hot Cheetos. Uh, women in hardcore. How do we affect this male dominate scene? Daniel. Um I just think
1: you look at it like it's not male dominated, and you just participate and do whatever you want. And if you do come across any closed doors or anybody being shitty speak about it and like, let it be known because I, I think that, you know, with so many female fronted bands lately, I think it's amazing or not even fronted, just female participated bands. And it's a shame to even think of it as female fronted or female engaged bands. It should just be banned. And I think that's the way things are being looked at now, which is awesome. I, I'm so psyched to see hardcore have, have shifted a lot more from the, from the customary, you know, you had a few girls participating, but then some people would like laugh at girls participating, which was just absolute horseshit. And then on top of it, you would have, you know, newer girls coming into the scene and seeing like other girls stand to the side, and then, oh, well, I suppose I'm supposed to do that. You know, like, fuck it. Just be a person and do whatever you want. It's my, uh, you know, and it, and if you do find, you know, you're being like, there's a patriarchy within hardcore, call it out, burn it down, and write songs about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, fully, right? Call it out. Yeah. Call it out if you see it. I think that's great. And uh, shout it to Sasha. Old school. Oh, yeah. Ex pa is the fucking woe wo man. Yeah, and she, like, she showed,
1: I, I'm here for me to participate in this community, and no one's going to dictate the way that I can participate in this. You know, she just went for whatever she wanted to do. Awesome.
0: Yeah, she rules. Um, I remember one of the first times I hung out with her. I was living in Nard and it was it was that ninety eight like Madball Madball uh Earth Crisis tour and I yep. drove I drove to her pad in Huntington Beach and she drove from Huntington to uh for us to watch it at the Soma side stage. And she had uh, a broken arm and we were taking yep. that, like that toll road that connects like uh what does it connect? Like Costa Costa Mesa. Yeah, yeah, the Mesa, or fucking whatever. And she's going like fucking ninety with one arm, just fucking cruising through the traffic. I was like, <laughs> "I'm such a fucking pussy." Like <laughs> Sasha's grown as fuck, you know. She, yeah, and that and that
1: cast was being vigorously thrown about the pit that night.
0: Mm-hmm. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So she's my idol, and uh, yeah, shout out XPA. Um, let's see, Dave Hawk, an hardcore legend, uh, thought that we should get Chris from RKL on the show. And, uh, I've been playing phone tag with Chris for months and months and months, and uh, we're just figuring it out when we can do it. And, uh, yeah, that's it. He, uh, he plays full time with Lagwagon now. So they were really busy cause they put out a new album, I think at the end of last year, and so uh, they're busy with that. But also, you know, people are looking for a way to support um, full-time musicians right now um, with the touring schedule kind of being brought to a halt with the COVID shit. And uh, he actually teaches guitar lessons online. So if you want to learn guitar from uh, the Do the Road, like those RKL songs and the plays in Lagwagon, you should uh, Google Chris from RKL. And uh, he'll teach you. If you want to know how to solo, he's a fucking Rager, dude. So he will teach you how to play guitar. Um, Look him up, and I'll get him soon. I promise. Um, Next up photographer Jason L.A. Maybe someone from the old school hardcore record stores. Salzer's Doctor Strange Headcount Asian Man. Or a show about specific venues like Showcase or the Ohio Women's Club. Um, I think this is a great idea. I love talking about record stores. I'm still a record collector. And then also, we just did a show. We did a show about our favorite venues. But you're right. Maybe we should take a little more time and dig into specific venues, um, especially some that were maybe more important to like the, you know, like like the Showcase Theater. Of course, you could do an entire episode on. Um, I wouldn't be the one to do it, but I could get, have the right people on to assist me. But, uh, Oh yeah. We do like a tales from the showcase and then have, you know, people from all different genres,
1: like, you know, five minutes of just tell me your showcase story, you know, and then just compile
0: it like that or something. Yeah. Um, all I gotta say is like, you know, when, when it comes to, to thinking about editing a show like that, it's so daunting time-wise. Like, um, you know, to edit like different audio together is so. If we do one long audio clip like this, it's pretty easy for me to like dump it in the computer, add an intro, um, toss it through some like mastering software, and then upload it. To do like lots of editing takes a shit ton of time. So consider smashing That's that way. fucking Patreon button. <laughs> like smash that
1: Patreon button, and also to all those young tech involved uh, youngsters out there listening to the pod and want to lend your time and helping with uh, with editing as an 185 miles South internship, get in touch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could always use some help. So, uh, you know, this is a one-man operation with the help of my best friends. So, um, you know, anything ambitious like that is, is pretty gnarly. I'm working on some projects right now um, that I think you guys will enjoy in the future. Do you,
1: do you know what would be a good, uh, showcase thing is mm. getting a uh, an interview with Joe case. Yeah. The the booker, the main booker and, and security dude and, and light. He did basically did everything. except for own it.
0: Yeah. And you know what you my know? first question is going to be? Did, uh, do you remember the first time you saw the white caps of the showcase and did they play beer? <laughs> Did he have the keg on his back? (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. Let's see. Cletus Asadi says, uh, Pride FC slash Don Fry. Okay. We're talking about a thing that I used to be way, way into, which is old UFC and then going into Pride FC in Japan and then specifically Don Fry. Um, I can talk about Don Fry, dude. He, uh he's one of the greatest fighters of all time. And one of the first guys to mix styles. He had good boxing along with good wrestling. And, uh, and
1: did he come to the ring as a cowboy with a mustache? Is that on track?
0: Yeah, he, he's very uh, Burt Reynoldsy, Yeah. Know, like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he fucked shit up at UFC 8 and then also at uh, Ultimate Ultimate 96. Won both tournaments, so... Anytime you're winning tournaments where you're winning multiple fights at a night, you're a legend. Um, also like in the early two thousands with some editing software, I used to be like, you know, nerding out and I would, I would make highlight videos and I made this uh, Don Fry highlight and I sent it to him and uh, he was super stoked on it. And his wife, Rat. yeah, his wife at the time actually sent me a couple t-shirts and, Don Fry autographed and and wrote like a thank you note like on an eight by ten, and sent it to me. Oh, so, that's, that's awesome! Yeah, I got Did it. he did
1: he ever beat up the giant dude carrying the
0: crucifix? <laughs> chemo, he never fought chemo. Yeah. He never oh, fought bummer. chemo, but uh, Don Fry, he was in some some legendary fights, and uh, he's one of my favorites of all time. And uh, I'll put. Did he
1: fight Bob Sapp?
0: He did not fight Bob Sapp, and he he probably should have because he was a huge star in in uh, New Japan and also in Pride. And then he fought in K One. He when he fought in K One, like one of the biggest shows ever, was like the New Year's Eve show. The, it was like a K One Pride together, and I think it was the year two thousand. And he fought Jerome LeBanner and got fucked up um, because he just he wasn't on that level of kickboxing. He really needs to mix his wrestling. And then also by that time he was uh his body was a little more broken down. Um he wasn't really in his prime anymore. So but I will I will I will put I have that that uh thank you note like framed and on my wall, so I'll take a photo of it and post it for uh for you, Cletus. How about that? Now this one is fully for Daniel because I am not a fashion guy at all. In fact, I am, like, caked in cat hair and lint just from being a COVID scumbag. Um, <laughs> I think we all are right now. No, you still cleaned as a motherfucker. You don't, you, you don't step two feet away from a lint roller. You're repping, you're repping the San Diego Clean Core real good. Um, this is from Mike.JJJ. He asks, top, best, slash, worst shirt designs of all time. Daniel, you take it. Ooh.
1: Um, if I was going to say my very top like shirt designs in hardcore, like legendary ones that come to mind, the majority of them like that from one band would be uniform choice. Like all of the UC merch from back then was just perfect, you know, bold, uh, bright, like repeat, uh, as well as with the pictures, you know, it just, everything was clean, and it, it made you even want to wear a white shirt.
0: Now, worse... Let who- me let me say on the good, and also, uh, I love the band Dillinger 4 so much, and they did, like, a UC knockoff, and it was D4, and then instead of Straight and Alert, it was just, music is none of my business, over and over. And that's <laughs> so good. Love it, it. Like, it... For them to take, like, a knockoff shirt and to have it be a shirt that summed up, like, what their band was all about. I mean, they knocked it out of the fucking park. So, on to worst, Yeah. Basically, any uh, in-control shirt pre-2003? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs>
1: like... Hey, here's an XL black shirt, and the in control is tiny right between, like, not even between your nipples, like, in between your <laughs> diaphragm. <laughs> it's like that big, and you're like, are you wearing an in control shirt? <laughs> is that,
0: that, you got to be
1: right up on it with a microscope.
0: That's the thing that makes, like, those older iconic shirts so good, is because the. Uh, We, you know, if you talk about a a good topic for hardcore is we should have like a modern day screen printer on to talk. Like I love when we did, um, I did like a, the Roger Camaro podcast, which was also partially a retaliate podcast. And then also the retaliate podcast, um, Roger does such a good job about talking about how the technology of recording evolved between, between all the different retaliate records. And it would it would be very interesting to have a screen printer talk about, like, how the technology evolved because it was so limited back, like, even in the early 2000s of, like, kind of what you could do on a budget, you know, like, size-wise. And the fact that all these bands, like, you know, in the 80s and shit did, like, iconic shirts is amazing, you know? Because um, now you can do whatever the fuck you want to do, you know what I mean? You do all over yeah. and all that shit.
1: Well, the thing that's interesting, like going back to talking about around 99 to 2003, the to die for stuff was like the hottest look a lot for a lot of, you know, the SoCal light hardcore band. And now it, it looks, I won't say dated. It looks of its time. And, um, would be interesting to get Jason on who did all that stuff because uh, he went from like self screening stuff to getting a, his own press and then making actual designs that sold to hardcore kids that weren't even related to them.
0: You know? Um, well, and then back into the MMA tie in with like Don Fry and shit, like, do you remember how like popular, like those affliction shirts were, Yeah, you know? Well, because it was like, it was one step up from being like, total, I mean, it was like it was a different version of, like, the brochure. Like oh, it's a total brochure. But, but, and you know but what? The, but the brochure went from a different type of brochure to that type of brochure. I mean, it was yeah. a total page turn. You know? Well, do you, you want to know another hardcore tie-in to Affliction? Is Pat
1: Dubar's brother was one of the main people behind Affliction.
0: Oh, and he works there right now.
1: Yeah. So... That's interesting. I mean, fleur-de-lis on everything. fleur de Lee's <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> um, I, when I think of, like, a bad shirt design, that's kind of a classic now, is back when Sick of It All came around uh, when they toured with Rancid in, was it 94? In 94, I think. You know, bands at that time would only bring XL shirts. No matter what size you were, you're were like, can I get an XL? Like, that's <laughs> kind of it. Um, but they had this one giant, it was a green shirt with a giant eight ball on it. Like a thick of it all eight ball. And at the time, I, I, I didn't like it then. And then I hated it. Like, after a while, like, thinking, oh, that's so shitty. And now it's so, like, almost like so shitty that it's amazing now,
0: you know? So yeah, because it's, it's like that, a shirt you get from like the the five shirts for $10 store. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, but at the time it was like, I don't know, like when hardcore tried to do graffiti, you know, tried to latch into that. Not, that. not that hardcore hasn't always had graffiti in it, it always has, but do you know what I mean? It was when it was excessive, when it looked like Tribal or something.
0: Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember homies? Like the yeah. little, little action figures. And then, like, I remember, yeah. I we had this spot in Nard called the T-shirt Warehouse, and uh, it was one of those like five for ten dollars stores, and they had a shit ton of homie shirts that only had they only have the print on the back. It was like all the homies are on the back, and then there was nothing on the front. And so, like, I just went and bought like fifty of them, and then we did like an in control graffiti font on the front. Yeah. Yeah, that was for when we. So if you've got one of
1: those out there, it's one of (laughs) fifty. Yeah,
0: something like that. We uh, (laughs) that was for when we played. We played Chain Reaction with H2O. I think that was a killer show. Um, are you? This is from the Real Jason Rules on Instagram, and uh, he posts lots of cool videos. So everyone should follow the Real Jason Rules on Instagram. He says... What's up with the fate, Jason Rules? What's he peddling? I don't know, dude. That's some fucking Fugazi-ass <laughs> shit. But uh, he, he asks, are you ever going to interview Bongmaster John, a.k.a. Crazy John? He's trying to catch me with some obscure Nard Ventura dude shit. And uh, the answer is no. Because how am I going to stretch that interview out? But, Jason, I'll tell you this. If you go do an interview with Bong Master John, a.k.a. Crazy John, and it's good, I'll post on the pod as a bonus Patreon pod. Um, or,
1: or on the on the back end of, like, after, uh, um, you know, episode one and Stu do their thing, just, well, here's something else. From-,
0: <laughs> from Bong Master John, a.k.a. Crazy John? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. After I interview Ian McKay, we'll put it on the uh, tail end of his interview.
1: <laughs> well, you know the Ian Mackay interview would not be
0: like impossible to do. No, I know, except that we're a California podcast, so yeah. At least, well, you could at ask least him this about year, this year California touring. You know, sure, I could ask him about the time that uh, Rob Moran heckled him.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, more um, punishment of Rob on the pod.
0: He- <laughs> this year we're staying California. Next year we got we're gonna go West Coast. Just saw so you new Poison Idea. And uh, and then we'll then we'll open it up. We'll see. I got I got a plan, you guys. Actually, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm probably gonna quit in a month. So fuck. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. I want to know how how one goes
1: from being just a bum user to a bum master. True. That would be a good question
0: for John. It's it's probably all a technique on the carb. You know. Yeah. It's like, or if there's like yoga involved, or I think you got you got to have that that. That light touch on the carb, you know. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to Rivers of Fire uh, on Instagram. Zach, any luck with Chewy? And he, he added him, so extra pressure. Oxnard legend. Maybe I don't know about him. He's got to tell me he's a legend. Um, as in, have you tried to interview Chewy? I'm assuming this is Chewy, the, uh, the legendary artist of Oxnard. And I would put him in the echelon of the, uh, the Hernandez brothers as well as, uh, Brian Walsby. And, uh, no, I haven't, I haven't thought about interviewing Chewie. Um, you know, when it comes to interviewing people, like, I try to, I try to be able to have like a lot of information on someone because I want everyone to succeed. The people that I interview, I want them to come off good and, and do well, and have people be interested in the interview, and and maybe it's a it's a flaw of like what I'm capable of right now, but I worry about going into an interview with just someone that I don't have enough material on to be able to know I can get a solid forty five minutes out of. So, someone like Chewy, that's like, yeah, it's very interesting, like because he does great iconic artwork. I don't know the right questions asked because I'm not an artist. Like I can't you know, like I'm a guy that like I get stoked when I can like draw the little three dimensional square. You know, like it feels good every time I connect the fucking lines. You know? I'm like, oh shit. What do you I'm- mean you're not an
1: artist? Like the the artwork to the in control
0: tour press. <laughs> exactly. Well, that, that's a, that's a perfect, that's a perfect example. Like it's a total dick wave that I knew how to do like the little three dimensional road, like hooking around the mountain, you know, but like
1: who drew, who drew, I see for that shirt that had the pictures of you guys. Mm
0: I have no idea what shirt you're talking about. There was a, a photo of you, Dave, um, Tony and Ryan. I think that it was, that was you, then drawn into a picture vaguely vaguely remember, but I bet you anything. It was uh, Ernie from life's hall. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who is a, cool. who is a great artist. And apparently is, a, uh, is, um,
1: goes into timeless all the time. Cause he's no UPS driver. So I need to catch him.
0: I know. I, I, I wish you I'm could reconnect this. with him. I need to get him too. um, I, I love life's Salt, And then, uh, you know, Felix was actually like in a, a really cool band in Seattle for a while too. Yeah. So well, uh,
1: um,
0: going back to the Chewy thing, if
1: Rivers of Fire has a lot of info about Chewy, he can hit you with the the pre-production and say, "Oh, this, 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 and this." And you know, if you think there's enough there, then maybe chase it down. Because I, I, you know, like when we think of when we think of the you know the four pillars of hip hop, you know, graffiti, breaking, uh, scratching, you know, DJing and MCing. I feel like hardcore has, you know, the artwork and stuff is definitely a pillar, and just sometimes doesn't get as enough enough shine as it should.
0: Yeah, and definitely like underpaid people, right? Like think about people that. Don't get taken care of for their craft as people that do art for hardcore, um, art and photography. Yeah, photography. Yeah, you, you, definitely. Um, You know, these are big unspoken heroes. So let's take it. But well, now to- there's been a bit too much of an explosion of photography. <laughs> yeah, but there's some people that they uh, like uh Dan Raw and Amy Carla yeah. and Amy Carla. Um, they are always there, helping out retaliate. So um, my my favorite photographers, and Fred, Fred Hammer. Yeah, um, and Dave Mandel. And Dave Mandel. Um, and Veronica, she's repping too.
1: And, but Dan Ross, God, he's been doing amazing photographs forever. Brandon Tridal from San Diego as well, yeah, very good.
0: Yeah, and a beautiful beard. It's like... Mm-hmm. It's pretty fucked up to, like, be that handsome and then be able to pull off a nice beard. Like, you don't need it, stupid. (laughs) You know, that's fucked. Um, Should shout out to uh, Felix's band in Seattle. was called Big Crux. You guys should look it up. Um, Very, very cool band. And so it's cool when people, you know, from our generation of hardcore branch out and do other stuff and keep it going. So there's that. All right. Yeah. Moving on to the next punk from a black hole says, get someone from the grim band on. And I responded to him. Um, I emailed Tim Grimm on his Facebook. Probably he was early. So probably like five months ago, they never got back to me. So fuck it. If, uh, if the grim wants to be on the podcast, they can hit me up. Otherwise, whatever. All right, next up from uh from the lovely daisy of San Francisco um what's the Italian neighborhood Daniel North Beach yeah from North Beach what's up Daisy? uh highlight and hardcore punk rock activism now I <laughs> was Daniel, you take that one.
1: That's a that's a very big responsibility. I know
0: that's um, a. That's a that, okay, I said ask us a question, Daisy. What the fuck, <laughs> put us on the spot like that. Highlight uh, that's that's a full fucking documentary. Like, you want me to I do, think, you want me to do research?
1: I think what happens really well within within uh hardcore is the fact that. It, going on what you said in the in the films podcast a bit is hardcore was that next step from punk to where it was like let's get down to the brass tacks let's cancel all the bullshit let's you know let's get serious here and that's kind of what hardcore is It's so whether you know someone's hardcore and they um become politically active they throw their whole into it you know and they get really down to brass tacks and and go after something, you know, like with all the animal rights stuff, like people are, I mean, just the amount of people that have gone vegetarian or vegan because they have been influenced by a hardcore band is massive. So the, the activism that happens is fantastic. But, you know, we live in a social media age now to where you can, say something for a pat on the back and it's only the real ones who are actually doing it all the time. You know, like people at the Chase Cafe, they're volunteering their time and they're doing it all for political things as well as uh, us to have a good time at music, you know? So I feel like hardcore gives you the step up to be able to bring anything, you know, anything to the table and you know if you're passionate about it you'll you'll infect others to be passionate about something, and even if they don't agree with you, they'll at least listen to you you know i would hope
0: yeah i would I would say that like the if if we're talking about hardcore and activism, the glory of hardcore is that if you're if you're on board, there's a little bit of like a secret handshake that you're like in this scene and you kind of like you're relatable to other people and the amount of different types of people that you can come across, you have something in common with them. And that's something that is very outside of the box in how the world is. You know, the fact that like I can be completely different from someone, but because we like the same type of music, we have this like, serious bond where we understand a part of each other and the fact that you understand this part of each other that is so like serious to who you are you're going to be open-minded to what the other person says <laughs> and like yeah this can be really detrimental at times like how many times like i mean i don't know this is fucking ridiculous but like you ever have the fence walker fucking white power guy? He's always like talking to you. Like, and he's always got like, yeah, my girlfriend though. She's like half Mexican, dude. I'm not really white power. You know, it's like, go fuck yourself. You know, like he yeah. thinks he has a in on you. You know what I mean? But the positive side of that is that if you're talking to someone who like in real life would be like, you know, someone completely different than you, the fact that you both love negative approach like, one guy is, like, this, you know, like, he's a fucking, I don't know, he's, like, a vegetarian. Like, the other guy might be, like, a little open to it, right? Like, let's go get some Thai food, dude. Fucking yellow curry is fucking delicious. Let's get with tofu, you know? Like, yeah. oh, maybe, you know? Let's go eat, let's, let's go yeah, eat yellow curry tofu and talk about negative approach. Well, All just right. think about it this way. Like,
1: in, in shows, a lot of the times there'll be the band set up for merch and then there'll be somebody set up with, I don't know, food, not bombs or this or that. And they have equal space given to them at good hardcore shows to where if you want to go up and discuss things with them or take some literature or anything like that, there's a place for it. So I don't know if the person writing in wants us to, wishes people were more politically active and stuff. And obviously, you know, in a, in a world, but sometimes the shows are where we go to get away from everything else as well. You know, so it's hard to not be, you know, uh, open-minded, like everyone who walks, not everyone who walks in it, but most people who walk in a hardcore show are very open-minded and, uh, could be very you know strong on an activist front.
0: I, I think then... that, Daniel. I think that's the best way to put it. I've been trying to like think about how to say this because, like, there like there is a lot of activism in punk and hardcore, and honestly, like, we're not the ones that talk about it. And I think sometimes like expertise is knowing when to like say like this isn't my lane, you know. And it's not. But I would say that like the glory of punk and hardcore is. That like you have such a mishmash of people of all different like backgrounds and types of people and they're coming together like for a common thing that like just that really that you agree on something like people are open-minded because you see people as humans. It's like I like I like this person and so like even if he has some ideas that I'm a little like I don't know about them like I'm going to be a little more open-minded to it that's all. Yeah. Like where every, and, everything and, now is so politicized, right? It's like you're like this guy is like on this side and I'm on this side and so like fuck that guy and fuck this guy and there's a little yeah. a little more and like cancel
1: culture and yes. everything. There's a little it's more it's give, very easy.
0: There's a little more giving him the benefit of the doubt. Um in hardcore disc you do have a common bond. We all love terror. Shit. Yeah,
1: but the one thing I w- I will say like everybody in bands and stuff also when they write lyrics and if they write lyrics about something political or something social, that is a a form of activism in its own right too. You know, it's putting a a point of view across and hopefully rallying people to the right side of, and hopefully the lyrics are on the right side of uh, social justice.
0: Well, yeah, of course. I mean, like, We're always calling out for more non-racist songs, you know, like, you think that's a tired, you
1: think that's a tired, uh, thing? No, it's not been said enough. It needs to be said every day.
0: Yes. The fact that anyone would say like, oh, there's like enough non-racist songs, like that shit's played out. Like, fuck you, dude. There needs, like every band should have one. Right. And like, and same thing with the unity songs. Like these are the, the common things that we like believe in, you know, like, yeah. Like I, I, it exhausts me to an like an end to the idea that like we wouldn't want to have more unity songs or more anti-racist songs. Like what the fuck? Um, and and that is that is political, and I think that is activism. Like even though some things like they should go unsaid, like oh you shouldn't be racist, sexist, homophobic. Like no, they actually need to be said because some some people are getting drawn in different fucked up directions and if if semi-influential people can reassure them that no you should be anti-racist then everyone should fucking say it like why is that so hard you know yeah. is it, what the fuck people you
1: know and be prepared to put your money where your mouth is When it it does rise
0: up, you know? Yeah, but I mean like Don't go quietly into the night But do what you can Also, right? Like even if you're like A a timid guy that's gonna Like hug the walls When you have your time That you're comfortable to talk about things Talk about things in the right Way to your people, right? Like live a righteous lifestyle That is like not fucking hateful Jesus Christ Like there's so much negativity in the world that people don't, the fact that people don't like latch on to people trying to do like little like acts of righteousness fucking drives me crazy. You know, like the all or nothing cancel culture is fucking crazy. Yeah.
1: I, 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 there is, there's only black and white now. There's no gray. There's nothing like you can't look at something and see the good intention you go for the fact that they used like out of date nomenclature or something like that. And you instantly trash them. Now you've created an enemy instead of an ally. If you go to them and say, Hey, like what you're saying is really cool, but it's this, this and this, you know, and maybe think about it in this way. And you d- do that instead of like making a comment of like, fuck this person. Oh, okay. Boomer or whatever, you know, okay. it's, it, there's, there's a way to be inclusive, and there's a way to be exclusive, and um, I feel a lot of the of the people of today want to just uh, blast someone for the social media pat on the back.
0: No, exactly. And like if you're somewhere like if you're going to a show somewhere like the the Shea Cafe, you know you're already like on the righteous side. You know, like yeah, you know, and so for there to be like people wanting to create like a hierarchy of like, I'm more righteous than you. Like go fuck yourself, dude. The problem is dude. not like I had to write a song about it recently. Like the problem is not within these four walls, fight the real enemy, you know, shout out to yeah, business, and, you know?
1: But I, but I think, I think that's what, what, you know, going back to the first 18 minutes of this podcast, the thing that's going to hold back the last, all the time is being torn down by itself from the inside instead of uniting to fight the real enemy.
0: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, but Jesus. Yeah. All right. Next question. (laughs) God damn it. Daisy. What the fuck? (laughs) Uh, Oh, and then, then, uh, she comes up with the equally vague, uh, the, the future of hardcore punk rock. (laughs) Um, it's up to the kids right? Yeah. Like I'm, it's it's a young person's game. I'm 40. Daniel, you 42, 43, 43. So it's not up to us. Um, you know, with hardcore, more than hardcore, more than anything is like your influences, who got you into it and like, you know what you took from it. Right. And all you can do is like, do your part. And hopefully like leave something good behind. Right? Like kinda like how people want to live their lives, right? You wanna like leave a legacy to your children or whatever the fuck. Well, I'm not that interested in that, but uh I did I did I did my piece and uh you know I had my say at one point and I still am and I hope that people give well, something from it. And I
1: think what's incredible is that you're giving a voice to a lot of stuff that has been forgotten to be brought up to be appreciated by hardcore youth of today. And I think, you know, that is part of a future of hardcore and punk is the historian factor within it's our own history. So we've got to make sure that we record it and then people, you know, then the youth sets the, you know, what they want to do with the, with the movement and the genre, because, it's not for older people to dictate, but it is for us young and old to make sure
0: that there's a rich tapestry of this culture that is remembered. Right. And then the important the important thing of what you're saying right there too is that the people of it, of us that like we're past our prime in the genre, possibly. I mean that's like debatable, right? But, like, the people documenting and telling the story aren't the fucking people that are shitting on it. Like, fuck Stephen Blush and people that say, like, Hardcore died in 86. He's not the motherfucker to tell the story. Fuck you, dude. Sell your book, whatever. You know? Like... And do that great research and then hand it off to someone who loves it. Right. Because (laughs) he, he was still, what a fraud dude. Like he was still like selling his book at hardcore shows in like the early two thousands. So he didn't believe that shit died because he was still tracking down. He was still going on. I'm going to sell my book there. You know, like, yeah. So like, it's important that people like, I mean, I'm inspired by the other people like doing this format. I can only speak on this format. But like you know, the guys like Toby H2O. I mean, his podcast is inspiring. Like he he's loving talking to his friends, right? And he's he's laying down like some real good shit. And his rolodex is fucking impressive as fuck. Every week, you know, he's got on some like legend. And so for him, for for someone like Toby from H2O to be documented, telling the story of hardcore that's fucking righteous, he lived it he lived it and he lives it, He like still to this day it, it influences every piece of his life probably you know, I don't know the guy, but I I mean, I got to assume, hopefully I'm assuming in a good way, but like that's a guy, well, that's a guy I'm comfortable, like telling the story, you know
1: well, there's the a thing, like, you know yeah, there's a lot of access and, and things like that, and some of it may be out of self-interest some of it may not be you know it is what it is but as long as there is more of the culture being delivered to being accessible to you know when when all my body was a thing we were getting letters from kids in indonesia and stuff like can you send out this and this because we don't get anything like but now with the internet and and People from all over the world can plug in and hear, you know, to learn about, you know, to use you as an example, to learn about Oxnard or Southern California hardcore. you know, it's, yeah, it, it, I just think it's cool. And I, I just hope the way that there were many Fanzine producers through the, you know, 80s and 90s, I hope there's lots of people that are willing to do that in going back as well as doing things forward, because I think, uh, that, that is the, the future is unwritten, but the, uh, the past needs to be remembered.
0: Yeah. And I think the curators of it are important, you know, that like the people pick, you know, good people and, and people who can tell the story in a righteous way, you know? Yeah. So that's all. I got to pee, Daniel. I'm going to, I'm going to stop recording real quick. Okay. All right. We have stooge nine seven seven. Oh, this shit is, is very, uh, of, of the hour. Um, why do I feel like when I go outside to do stuff at this present time in of the plague, <laughs> <that> <laughs> I like the fact there are not many people about, I think maybe I have a problem. I think maybe I hate humans. And then puts a bunch of sheep. Um, I mean, I can relate to this. It's, it's cool that there's less people out. Um, but also, like, I've gone out, like, for very simple stuff. Like, there's actually a drive through liquor store, like, right by my house, where you drive your car through the middle of it. And so, like, it's... Yeah, it's behind cool. the mosque, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm right by the mosque. And so, yeah. uh, it's been pretty easy for me. That Actually, this is kind of funny. So... Normal people just like make ice in their freezer and shit, and like I always did that. And then our whole uh, like apartment complex had to get tented for uh, what are the th- termites? Yeah, termites. Right? Yeah. And then like, yeah. so so you can you know, obviously like your water is bad or I don't know. I had to throw out my ice, and I needed ice at night, so I went and bought ice. And then I was like, oh, this is like really good. Like this is like a luxury I want to pay for. So now I'm like, I'm, like, hooked on, like, buying nice, like, good, fresh ice. <laughs> anyway, fucking, yeah, it's just better in your cocktail, you know? um So, yeah, like, I'll just go out and, like, go get a bag of ice. And it's, like, mad motherfuckers are out on the street and shit. So I haven't gotten to experience um, what this dude is talking about so much because when I go out, I'm just upset that there's so many people outside because... You know, like, we don't know if we're, like, again, first 18 minutes of the pod, but, like, we got to believe in something, right? Like, that if we're locking it down, we're locking it down for a reason. And, like, we've been locked down now um, in California. We got, like, the notice so we had to shut down non-essential businesses. Like, it was... A little over two like weeks ago. three weeks ago? No, here. it was a little over two weeks ago because tomorrow's Monday. In SoCal, up yeah, oh, there, it's yeah, been over three weeks. Yeah, it's been just about three weeks, almost three weeks for you. It'll be in the middle of this week. It'll be three weeks because I had a crew up there in Stanford, and it got put on them like in the middle of the week. I had them go up Sunday night, and I think that shit got put on them on like Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, but
1: SF and Oakland were even before that, okay. like before Silicon Valley. It's crazy. Word, but anyway, yes, we're not arguing about the. Yeah, the so thing. We, we
0: we've been locked down two weeks. Like this Monday, and the shit happened on. We had a lockdown. We got word on Thursday night. So then, like Friday's off, and then so whatever. Like tomorrow is like two weeks plus one business day. Um. And I just worry that all these motherfuckers aren't taking it seriously and the shit's going to get dragged off forever, which is going to kill everything. You know, like, yeah. we really need to, like, lock down, have someone smarter than us figure it out, and, like, have that be it. You know what I mean? The thing that's
1: interesting about it is that it, it, we're getting different messaging every day because they're learning about it more and more, and not necessarily from the federal government, because we've already talked about that they fucked it up. But, the you know, like Gavin Gavin Newsom, someone I feel you can trust a lot more, was instantly in there with, like, we're shutting shit down because we're going to stem this right now. You know, he's got the initial words And that's what you need is someone of action to do that. And then when you see everyone outside or people, like, coming up on your feed, like, I'm having a social distance party where I've had all my friends over. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it drives you crazy. And... You know, I don't want to be anybody's cop, but I want people to fucking take this a bit more seriously than they have. So we don't have to be locked up in our
0: own houses for months. I know. I I need I need this shit to like brush over so my fucking business can survive. You yeah. Know, like, I need to brush over because I've only been locked down for two weeks and I'm going fucking crazy. You yeah. know, like I want it to be over. Like all I want to do is fucking. Go to fucking Baja and chill, you know? But like, I mean, oh, God. well, that might be a long time. I know it's going to be a long time. Trump's going to
1: use that in his racist rant as, like, we're closing that border forever.
0: Well, and they were partying in pious like nothing was happening two Sundays ago. They're going to get fucked. Tijuana's going yeah. to so fucked. Um, yeah, my friend, Denora, shout out to Denora if you're listening. Um, they barely had her start working from home last Monday. And uh, she's a lawyer down there, uh, like a uh, a real estate lawyer. So they're they're about two weeks behind us. Um, yeah, which is scary, you know. It, it is. It, I mean, it, it's just even if this is
1: precautionary and it is, you know, maybe not as effective as they think they it, it is in regards to flatten the curve. Doing something is a lot better than just letting well we don't know what's going to happen so just keep doing it it's like this is the this is the medical advice follow medical advice because this is a medical issue you know yeah anyway going back to his point about hating people well welcome to hardcore (laughs) yeah yeah i mean
0: (laughs) i i just wish there was yeah i wish there wasn't as many people around and i wish i could go uh go road trip somewhere and chill. But like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want this, uh, pandemic to be population control.
1: Yeah. Well, I just think he's, he's doing a, a thing like, well, now that I see a lot less of people, I feel more calm. Like these are the things that have brought him to hardcore is like, I need my own little tribe because the rest of society is driving me fucking crazy.
0: Yeah. And, or also like, know. maybe if you like being away from people, then you got to, like, I feel that way a lot. Um, that's the reason why I love Baja so much is, like, I like to to go to, like, places that don't have as many people, and I like to chill and be able to be right by the ocean with just a book and a fucking little sniffer of tequila and and chill. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe the time that we're spending alone and the time that we're spending in isolation is a good time for people to reevaluate their lives and, and figure out a good, uh, a good balance for what they, they want out of the world, you know, like, I think it's it's very therapeutic to like, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not by the ocean, I like to go out to the desert and be like, I love like stargazing. Um, You know, when you just look up and it's just like the whole sky is full of stars. And if you like look in one area for five minutes, like you're going to see a shooting star. Like, I love shit like that. And I think it's very important to, like, work hard. That's that's what we love to do. You know, I mean, find something you like to do and work hard for it. But then, like, take the time to go and chill and, like, decompress and do your thing, you know? Um,
1: yeah. And, and, like you say, in this time where you have a lot of time to think about things for yourself, make plans to, for, for this guy who, who wrote in to you know spend his weekends going off in like hikes and whatnot to be away from people if that's what's truly like feeding his soul
0: you know yeah like if you like to be away from people then yeah figure out a a way um no matter what you do figure out a way to like maybe go take a hike and go go walk to a fucking swimming hole you know like i think that uh i i I like it everybody take a hike (laughs) <laughs> yeah, dang it, Hank, fool. No, but uh, a free fun is the best thing ever. And uh, I remember on the first thing the Troll tour, we were drunk, or we were uh, we were drunk, we were fucking broke as fuck. Yeah. We were, we're broke both. as fuck, and so we were just like, you know, we're gonna swim every fucking day because it's free and it's fun. And I think we swam for the first eight days of tour, you know. So like,
1: go and free shower.
0: F- yeah, <laughs> go find a swimming hole, jump in it, and like. Enjoy uh being away from people. So I think that's positive. Um yeah. all right, let's see here. Blah 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 blah. Oh here's here's one for you, Daniel. Is there a this is, comes from uh Matt underscore ants. Is there a unique San Diego sound? Oh all right, it's interesting. Um, in regards to hardcore, it's, it's the struggle to sky free, right? Hmm. It,
1: it's difficult to think because there's pockets. Like, you could say there's a unique sound of errors, there's also a unique sound of locales. Like, North County was more on that, like, God, I keep saying like. Sorry, listener, I'm very sorry for the listeners.
0: Now we're a California podcast. We're unapologetically <laughs> about saying like all the time.
1: <laughs> but North County has
0: more of that
1: faster, blasty, crusty influence,
0: and in a lot of the music, I would say, Chula. And and has- more more recently, a little more of that. Uh- <laughs> The World of Pain, Moshcore sound?
1: Yeah, I, I it's hard to say. I think San Diego, the, the one thing that makes it so diverse uh, people-wise is what has made the sound so diverse um, throughout music because, you know, you've got I would say signpost bands that maybe influence other bands around but if you just look at like for example I'm just going to say the year 2000 because I was very active in it in the year 2000 there was Oz, Built to Last but then there was Run For Your Fucking Life there was The Locust there was um, We're in your face and we're a fucking straight edge band Yeah, and then there was find them and kill them. Like, try and put your finger on what their sound is. You know, it's it's very hard to do. Like, And then there was life or death. So so I wouldn't say there is a San Diego sound. I think there's more of a San Diego vibe in, in regards to being open to everybody else's stuff across the, the,
0: the hardcore landscape it's, it's so eclectic it's so eclectic and it's all it's also very close to always having a lint roller nearby and, and looking suave <laughs> well i mean
1: the unbroken slash
0: kids from the south and stuff in the 90s looked impeccable um Well, and also the people that try to look like dirtbags still look good. Yeah, there's been... But uh, the
1: one thing I would say across all things San Diego would be the one thing that the scene throughout the years from the early 80s to now has been the tolerance of everybody else's sound, like to, to look into it and appreciate it for what it is, even if it's not... That, you know, if you're at the show, don't just be a dick and stand outside, like, make up numbers and, like, pay attention to the other bands
0: because they're paying attention to yours, you know? It's an, and I think it's, that's something that. Yes, it's an embrace of diversity. It's yeah. there that, even though there is inevitably there's going to be different scenes inside of any um, hardcore punk rock subculture, maybe the distance between them is just a little bit closer in San Diego. Yeah, the San Diego bands sounded very differently
1: from each other, but had the same people at the shows. Whereas when you know you can attest to this too, like touring and stuff, there would be defined like in larger scenes there would be defined subcultures of I only mess with this kind of stuff and I only mess with this kind of stuff and I don't go to those other shows. Whereas in San Diego, I think lots of people have been open-minded and embraced the diversity that lives within.
0: Moving on, uh, the mighty, mighty Dan Raw says he wants a Corey Williams episode. And uh, I responded and said I've been trying to have Corey on for a while. Um, He's one of my old friends, and so I want to do it in person. Uh, But with this shit and with just our lives being so different now with him living in New York and me here, Probably gonna have to do it on the phone soon. So uh, he's in the queue. We will do a Corey episode. Um, well, he's a legend. He's really smart, really funny.
1: Did so many good bands, and uh, I know in the past it's you know on our episode I that we talked about over Dead body and stuff. I was bummed when like I got sucked in the face at, at their show and was just like oh fuck this doesn't mean I don't love and respect Corey. You know, it was just at the time I was just like, dude, I'm up front representative for your band and you just sucked me in the face. But, you know, but that was the vibe of, of uh, piece by piece at the time, you know, it was a giant middle finger of a band. Um, but I think he is an incredible player and an incredible member of, so many bands and has just not only beyond the bands that he's done and and the the music he's created, but the knowledge of um, T.O. Hardcore and basically Southern California Hardcore for a long period of time. He's a wealth of knowledge on that as well. And that beautiful blue Les Paul.
0: Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and And great, great jumps. Yeah, and Corey, got, he got me my first, uh, like, serious full-time job at uh, Jettis, answering uh, phones for a uh, a porn credit card company. Oh, Th- thank you for calling Jet Charge. My name is Zach. Is this regarding a charge understatement? Oh, uh. uh your husband must have <laughs> made it, ma'am. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love to tell you stories of that job if uh, cancel culture wasn't Patreon. So real. Patreon pod. You want to know the you want to know the websites I had to tell people that uh, moms that called and I had to tell them their sons joined, it made them cry on the phone. Sad. sad. I bet. I know. <laughs> anyway, Uh the legend, Brandon Cruz. Hiss me up saying, "What does this have to do with ska?" Well, this podcast has nothing to do with ska, but uh, I do enjoy your brother Zorba's band, the Ska Daddies, from Silver Strand Beach, California. Much respect.
1: Um, I would say <laughs> Damn, that I don't even speak. We've,
0: on it. We've
1: we've <laughs> t- we we've touched on cinema, beer goggles. So <laughs> there's a there's an almost ska element coming in if Beate or. <laughs> Beer buddies or whatever.
0: Shout, yeah. shout, shout, shout out um, <laughs> uh Chase Corum, OC Hardcore Legend. Uh, legend. Shouts out with some some good uh, dudes he wants me to interview. Uh, and one of them being a San Diego stalwart Justin Pearson, Daniel.
1: Yeah. I, I've been calling for that pod for ages because love him or hate him because there's There's lots of dividing thoughts on the person. He's a legend and has done so much within Punk and Hardcore. And, you know, I've mentioned it on a pod in the past that half of Europe started dressing exactly like him just when he went through with Twin Kids or the uh, the first Locust tour. It's insane. Like, that person is an icon all unto himself and has vast amounts of San Diego punk and hardcore knowledge that needs to be tapped into for the pod. Even though he
0: shit on your head at Kinko's in 1994. That can, that can also be discussed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Carl Valdez from ill repute says, what do you think will happen to the scene after all this is over? Um, I don't see this. Well, I mean, if this kills us all, then obviously the scene will be different, but we're, <laughs> we're, but we're still, it, it's only April 5th and we're all of the mind that this is going to change life for a few months. And then we're all going to come out of it. Normal.
1: Right. Well, those um, robots from Boston dynamic or whatever it's called, will they learn how to botch yeah. just to fill that void?
0: I mean, everyone, uh, everyone is of the mind that we're going to pull out of this right now. And that might be, just us totally oh, thinking of fantasy because we want to get back to normal. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't, if it, if this only affects us for a few months, a few months, it doesn't affect anything. Everything is normal. If this shuts it down for like, there's some horror stories coming out. They're like, Oh, it'll die down in the summer, but then it will like come back and fall. Um, yeah, if we if we have to like start thinking about like social distancing in general, then like that would be very weird for hardcore. Um, yeah, I think or we, start, music, live
1: music in general.
0: Yeah, live music in general. Um, I think you would see, you know, more people taking the approach of, I guess, trying to create like video content. You know, but uh, who knows? Like. I'm, do, I'm do You know what? <laughs> I got a
1: a really cool like DM today from Tad uh Payton, the he's a hardcore uh enthusiast slash tattooer from the D C area. And he sent me like a screenshot of a convoy I think he was having with his his best friend. It was like, Imagine what shows are gonna be like after this. 500 people pits, it's going to look like every biohazard video.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and every show's going to take place on the bridge. And yeah, for the it, life in you, know, he's always going to be in the pit. It's gonna
1: yeah. be great. I to, I've got to tell you, maybe on a different part or whatever, but I had a dream Thursday night that Isaac was in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but he was in my dream. Well, I just, yeah, I hope that every show when this all comes back, it's all on that bridge from the Biohazard video and, and Izak and Rick the Life are in every hardcore pit. And yeah. and everyone just comes back together. So and, and Rick is on a horse in the pit. Rick's on a horse in the pit. And uh, <laughs> it's a giant horse that also has his, his whole merch display on the horse's ass.
1: It's a Trojan horse <laughs> that has all the merch inside it.
0: <laughs> Alright. The, uh, the infamous Albert Moshard says, when are you going to interview Jason Bryce to get his side of leaving in control with a note? Oh, I, I love that question. Yeah. So I love that question. <laughs> the people don't know this story. Basically uh, <laughs> one of the in control bass players that we had, we, we were going to play, we were going to play with dead Kennedys this night at the key club in Hollywood. Um, and it was dead Kennedys when Brandon Cruz was singing And we went to pick up our bass player to go to the show, and he left a note on his door saying, I quit the band. I'm going to this other show tonight. (laughs) So
1: (laughs) I can already... I can fill in for this person and just kind of guess what his reasoning was. And I bet you a lot of it is Zach is such a taskmaster and scares me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Probably a lot of that. And so... That's all. Anyway, uh, wait, that's a good wait. question, though. That was, thanks, Albert. Um, we went to our bass player before that, Robert Martinez's house, and convinced him to play that night. So we like literally just went and knocked on this dude's door and said, hey, I know you haven't been in the band for six months, but we need you to remember like eight songs. We're going to play a show. When? Oh, right now. We're on our way. <laughs> okay. And I think that he could only remember six songs, and so we went and we did like, we did like a Ramones intro, and then played six songs, and then like maybe a cover song, and that was it. But uh, what a legend Robert is for that! I know. Rest in peace, Robert Martinez. It hasn't been the same without you. Um, that's really sad. He died last year. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. Let's see who this is. X Dennis. Lou X hit me up and just said, if they are archived anywhere, revisit the San Diego hardcore and Chula Vista hardcore message boards.
1: <sighs> he is not lying. Yeah, That's back when, that's back when you could have a screen name and your IP address didn't show up and all kinds of chicanery went down on those boards. I'll tell you that
0: just, I'll, I'll just say that uh, if you smash that Patreon button, I'll give you a, uh, Guzman and, and Vince's phone numbers and you can call them and chat them up. They were, they're behind all that <laughs> shit, probably. <laughs> uh, Don had probably like three or four different screen names. I'll give you Don's phone number, too. So. But <laughs> there sm- was also uh, sm- uh, a sm- time <laughs> where
1: Bert had been called out by this older like, skinner you know, who wasn't hanging around at the time as much anymore, and uh, it was like some real shit. You know, like when you see internet drama and you're like, uh, what is it? And then it's like, no, this is like pointed and crazy. And it was, it happened on that board. And it was like, Holy shit. He's like, <laughs> got to come take your boots. You plastic gangster.
0: Burk got called out by white warrior. Huh? <laughs> no,
1: I don't think he could use a computer. His hands would just smash the buttons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's got hoofs for hands. Yeah. All right. Moving on um, to, but yeah,
1: that is a good point in time. That is very fun. And it was also really cool. It connected so many people who'd never met before that actually started talking to each other at shows because of the board, you know?
0: There you go. Good question, dude. Um, Andy Diehard asks Is Ryan Fredette the best Nardcore frontman of all time?
1: In my eyes, yes, but I didn't see any of the legendary bands with just, you know, vocals. I, I saw all those bands as as they were still doing it after all the ECAs with
0: maybe not as much interest as they once had. Um, Apparently, uh, Andy Dahard never saw Retaliate, so. Do your homework, motherfucker!
1: <laughs> but. Is Retaliate pure Oxnard or does it is there members that are slightly outside the Oxnard bubble?
0: We're all from Nard. We all went to Nard High. Okay. Then then, you know, like it must be
1: uh Zach Retaliate That's at what... Instagram dot com.
0: <laughs> That's what's up. All right. The mighty mitem. The mighty mighty. Adam Lentz, dude. Uh Ooh. here's a sub and says do an episode do an episode on the Ojai Women's Center. That would be a good episode. I,
1: yeah. um,
0: I think that would be a good episode. That's like that's one of the ones we could speak on, right? And it probably has a, a long enough run like that or the living room. Um but but Ojai would be one that like you and me could do, probably. Yeah. So the thing with Ojai and
1: the thing that people I think the 2000 to 2005 era of hardcore, like people are dipping back into it, pulling, you know, certain bands out of it and saying, you know, oh, this band was important, but people don't understand that the, if they weren't around at that time, so the, the thing that made those times so special is pretty much the Chef FA, the PCH, Ohio Women's Center, was like a almost like an underground railroad for a certain amount of bands that were all friends and were constantly on each shows with each other. And there was just such a rad vibe that culminated even, I would say even more than at the Che at Ojai was where the gathering of like everyone happened. And it just, people were there to have the best time and there was people weren't there for beef or wouldn't even be distracted by it. It was kinda like, No, we gotta keep this place going. It's such an amazing space to do Rams that it it transcended like what you'll see happen at, at hardcore shows often.
0: Well and it was full like for the kids, by the kids, like there's literally no security. You know what Yeah, I mean? no
1: security. And the uh, stage was an amazing height. Um, so it was I just, just everything about it was perfect except for it was a freaking million miles away.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, even from Nard, just take that drive. Uh, anyway, you lost some memories. That's a great idea. We should do that pod at some point. Um, let's see what's next. Oh, Beg. Shout out, Beg. Um, he wants us to do some record label deep dives. And he says mystic BYO rev epitaph, et cetera. Um, I would I feel I would, like this podcast in general is a mystic deep dive. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to do this. So the mystic discography is a little wild, but, uh, I will say that coming up in a few weeks is going to be the Philco raves episode. And he was the engineer at mixed at mystic. And, uh, I nerd out on him way too hard. Um, ask him to you go him about the echo. Oh, he explains the echo, dude. <laughs> that that does not go. Right. He 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 volunteers info on the echo. So, nice. uh, yeah, but I would love to do some of these deep dives. That be that be really fun, and uh, well, I'd love to go into bands too. Um, I just I think that you know, I think, yeah, <laughs> I won't I won't see it. But anyway, discography
1: deep dives over like two episodes would be very good. I feel like you know, um, especially some of the labels that you feel like didn't have necessarily like a a massive drop off. Do
0: you know? Yeah, Camel Clutch. All right, Tzak eighteen says, please interview Doug Moody. Well, there's your mystic deep dive that is desired. Like like I haven't been trying since day one. Um yeah. yeah, no, obviously. I've been trying to get Doug, I've been trying every angle, trust me. Um maybe I need to call him Englishman to Englishman. Maybe. Maybe that's the one angle <laughs> I haven't tried. No, but I I've, I've had I've had multiple people try to contact him. I've talked to him several times. He hasn't wanted to do it. Um but no, I'm gonna hopefully get him on because yeah. Obviously, this pod is, is worthless without the Doug Moody interview. Uh, that's been the whole goal of the podcast. So, like, it would be a dismal failure if if Doug Moody dies before I get him on. Um, well,
1: it's not worthless without him. I'll tell you that.
0: No, but that was, I mean, this is, like, it really is, like, it's the white whale. If I don't yeah. get him, I'll feel like it's a personal failure. Um, yeah. So, I hope that anyone that has any influence of them tells them to come on. <clears throat> the people I interviewed for this podcast... I'm not setting anyone up with gotcha questions. I'm not trying to make anyone feel uncomfortable. I'm setting everyone up to succeed. And uh, he would be no different. And I don't give a fuck what people think of him. His story is interesting as fuck. I mean, like, yeah. he just comes from... I mean, he comes up from three generations of um, music dudes. So you're talking about, like, going back to basically the beginning of recorded music in his family. And just the stuff he talks about is wild and I don't care if it's hundred percent true or not. I just want, I've gotten to talk to Doug on the phone a bunch of times and he's just a very interesting guy. And even the people that hate him, um, you know, they've had the pleasure or the, the displeasure of talking to him a bunch of times. Um, they would all have to admit how much of a character he is. And I just hope that, I can create a platform that everyone knows what it's like to talk to Doug Moody. He's fucking, if nothing else, he's a, he's a character. He is who he is. And that's, I I respect that. Like, I'm not trying to judge people. I'm not trying to like catch people up. I just want people to represent who they are. And Doug Moody is Doug Moody. And he's a, he's just a very, very interesting guy with a very interesting history. And I want to get him on, so... Um, yeah, it's definitely. You're not trying to do gotcha germ- journalism just no. to be like,
1: Duck, where were you on this?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, so of course we'd love to have him. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, Adam Hanlon jumping on the Albert Moshard thing. Or Paul deciding he's already been to Europe and doesn't care to go again. Well, that was the, uh, that was the, that's the In Control breakup story, actually. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I don't have any desire to interview Paul, like, nice guy, but, but like, basically the reason why I stopped doing music when I was the age 24 is because I was sick of, like, the animosity that would come from, like, hating my band members, And it's like, that's such a weird thing, right? Like, when you're in a band with someone and you fucking hate them for some reason. Or, like, they leave and you hate them. And it's like, that's not a a feeling I want to have in my life. So is there even something wrong with them? Or is there something wrong with me and I need to change my life? And that's what I chose at that time is, like, I'm not going to do a full-time band, like, ever again. Um, I don't like the way that I look at people. Um, I don't like the fact that, like, someone can make one little decision that, like, doesn't affect their life, and it affects my whole life, and then I fucking hate them. Like, that's just not the way I want to live. And so, you know, I made the decision to, like, basically break up that band and to not live my life like that anymore, you know? Um, Because, yeah, I mean, like, in my opinion, that was a very selfish decision. And to tell the story, basically, uh, in control, we were going to go to Europe, tour Europe, do a record on Reflections. And, like, basically the day before we bought our airline tickets, our drummer quit, and he was just like, yeah, I don't want to go to Europe. Like, I already went as a tourist. I don't care to go. And then we were just like, what? What? Like, it was very hard to find a drummer at the point, and we couldn't replace him, and I didn't want to, like, drag it out and try to find a drummer and fuck over the label, so I, I basically just canceled everything and decided to break up the band. Um, so it is what it is, but as far as, like, his take on it, like, he gave his take. He quit the band. I, I know that was a silly question, Adam, but, uh, but it's still, like, that's pretty weird that 16 years later, like, it still gets to me. Cause like
1: I've been I've been lucky enough to not really hate anyone I've been in a band with. Like I've only had good friendships, but the breakup in Northern Towns was kind of a boomer to me <coughs> because uh, our guitar player uh, was in Mrs. Magician and they started doing a lot more and he wanted to concentrate on that and I feel like we were just hitting our stride, you know, we are about to do an LP and I was a bit bummed after it and a bit salty but then I couldn't stay mad, he was my friend you know, but it, it it's hard when you're you're all pieces of a puzzle that one person's not pulling their weight or doesn't care and then it can only let animosity grow you know
0: yeah, it's just not a positive way to live, and so that's why you know we give so much respect. I think on this podcast to the bands that that have like long, like or a I just just say a longevity, um, yeah, because it really does take so much like fortitude to be able to power through all the bullshit. Um, Joel Perkins asks, "How high is the sky?" I would say pretty high, dude. Um, And finally, we end on Hello, Sarah. She says, talk with total resistance. It seems like Jacob remembers every date, every person, every show, everything about everyone in the Nardcore scene. And I will say, I love Jacob. He's one of my favorite people um, on Earth. And uh, I would love him to be on the podcast anytime he would like to be. Um, So thank you for that. Hello, Sarah. I think that was a great suggestion.
1: Maybe Jacob is the key to getting the Doug Moody interview.
0: Maybe Jacob can do it. Jacob, can you call Doug Moody and get him on the pod, please? That would be <laughs> awesome. And uh, let me just do one quick little check. Do you want to talk about anything, Daniel?
1: No. Just hope everyone that that listens to this on, on the regular and, and sends nice thoughts down the pipeline and uh, there's a rad like t-shirt uh, Instagram t-shirt company type thing God, I, I don't know how to describe it But T's from the hard side He like dropped me a DM today Because I ordered uh, the Gangstar long sleeves that he made It's like a bootleg T thing And uh, he dropped a, a DM saying that He, he loves listening to the pods and whatnot So it's nice to hear things When people are enjoying it Hearing back from people, obviously, it's that thing. But even if they, you know, say, "Oh, I I listened on this episode," and it's just rad to hear that, like people are appreciating this because I'm a I'm a fan first rather than a participant. You know, I love this podcast so. Well,
0: thank you, Dan. I hope I love you, and uh, we just got a a few more. Sorry, Uh, last minute (laughs) ones. Um, interview Alex who ran on the PCH. That'd be a great oh, one. Oh, that's a must. That is a must. Yeah, we should do the PCH. Maybe we do it like a PCH uh, Ohio split. But Alex so. in general, or Alex in general, because he like goes back in hardcore
1: too, so he can just talk about going to shows and then doing the PCH from there. You know, because Rob remembers him from when Rob first started going to hardcore shows. So yeah, you know, long time ago
0: dinosaur time. Also, let's see. That was from, uh, Jason J X son. Um, Danny, the alchemist says interview Dr. No 2020. Um, I've done Brandon Cruz. I've done Ismael Hernandez and I've done Larry white. Um, I'm going to do Kyle soon. We were figuring out a time for me to go to his house to interview him, Uh, but then the (laughs) COVID-19 plague hit us. So uh, we'll see if Kyle wants to do it on the phone. If he does, I'll do it on the phone. If not, we'll wait until hopefully the shit passes, or uh, we'll see. But uh, if you want to hear the other sides of Dr. No, go listen to the uh, archives. Uh, Chubby Demon says interview civil conflict. Eight oh five, and there was another one. Jocile interview all of Civil Conflict, A.K. Danny Dorian and David. And I will say that uh, yeah, I, we've we've had David on the pod. He was on, I think, the first episode of Talking Nardcore. And uh, yeah, we love Civil Conflict. They are the the torchbearers of the new generation of Nardcore. And uh, we appreciate them very much. They are doing everything they can to keep the scene going, um, along with all the other generations. And so much respect to Civil Conflict. Much respect to all the new kids out there. Uh, let's get Operation Operation Oxnard back together, and uh, let's do this shit. But, uh, yeah, that's it for that. So, uh, Daniel, closing comments? You already gave your closing comments. That was really good. Cool.
1: But, uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you involving me in this. So both of us who live alone, uh, can spend some positive time doing something while we're going crazy.
0: Yeah. Agreed. And, uh, I hope that you guys that are listening to this enjoy the bonus pod. Uh, be sure if you can help out, uh, smash that Patreon button. We do more pods on there. And then also, so that's patreon.com slash 185 miles south. And then also, if you've enjoyed this episode, you have to reach out and let us know. Because if you don't tell us, we won't do another one. Um, so if you enjoy us, you enjoyed this, hit me up on social media or hit up Daniel. And uh, we can do this as much as you want. Fuck it. So, hit us up if you have questions. 185 miles south at gmail.com. 185 miles south on Instagram, on Facebook. I ain't hard to find, you know, like little boozy said, right? So, what's up? <laughs> you know? Also,
1: go to at Mr. Gweggers on Instagram and watch his version of the. Uh, <laughs> the decline uh, Teaching you how to slam <laughs> or is it, No, another, another state of mind Teaching you how to slam video It's very funny
0: Yeah, Gregor's Handle that shit Alright Daniel, <laughs> here, talk us out Can you hear I that? I hope
1: everyone's staying safe I hope everyone is Putting their Mental fortitude towards something Positive during these times Don't be negative
0: <laughs> thanks guys <laughs>